When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the New Books and Library Science podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Michael Amagna. With the challenges that are facing libraries, including declining budgets, new technologies such as generative AI, and the need to diversify collections to offer more inclusive resources, or just changing institutional priorities, it seems like this is a time in which libraries should be engaging in strategic planning to de- uh, develop a, a deliberate path forward. Today, I'm joined by the authors of Creating a Staff-Led Strategic Plan, a Practical Guide for Libraries, published in 2023 by Bloomsbury Libraries Unlimited. Katie Matthews is the Senior Director of Administration at Ohio University Libraries, and Ryan Spellman is a Library Support Specialist in the User Services Department at Ohio University Libraries. Welcome to the podcast, Katie and, and Ryan. Hello. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. So before we jump into discussing your book, Creating a Staff-Led Strategic Plan, a Practical Guide for Libraries, I was hoping you can tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your path into academic librarianship and academic libraries. So I don't know who would like to start. I can jump in. So hi, I'm Katie Matthews. Uh, I am the Senior Director of Administration currently at Ohio University Libraries. I'm an adjunct faculty of economics at Shawnee State University. Um, my path to academic librarianship, you know, goes all the way back to my birthday, really. I was born with a book in my hand, um, so I've always loved learning. I loved going to school, and so I just couldn't leave. Um, so um, I, I, you know, picked up degrees in accounting and business administration, economics, library science, um, and higher ed administration. So I think I'm done being a student, um, so I'll stick with just teaching and, and librarianship for now. Um, so I just loved it so much. Uh, I was a student employee in libraries um, and that really um, kicked off my love for working in, in the library environment and contributing to teaching, learning and research in a university setting. Um, so here I am and it's probably where I'll stay. <laughs> and so Ryan, would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, so my name is Ryan Spellman and I am a senior support specialist here at Ohio University Libraries. Um, 
I like to tell people that I have had the fortune of working my entire adult life in libraries. I won't tell you how old I am, but that's been a long time. <laughs> so I was very lucky in getting a part-time job at a public library uh, when I was when I first started college, a very small rural public library setting, and uh, it was wonderful. I fell in love with the work. And I continued, they took me full time and I worked there about 14 years and I was ready for change, but I didn't want to leave libraries. So that's what kind of led me into academic libraries and leading me to eventually getting my MLIS. And here I am today. I am, uh, I do a lot of coordination of our service desks and staff training and uh, a lot of committee work, uh, things like that. So. Oh, thank you for sharing your path into academic librarianship and academic libraries and, and what led you there. Now, I do have to ask, what sparked your interest in writing about strategic planning? Yeah, so um, in 2020, Ryan and I were tasked to co-chair um, a strategic planning process in our library. So we had um, a dean at the time, so shout out to Neil Romanowski. Um, he was very supportive of a staff-led approach and so invited Ryan and I to head up that project. And so then we kind of just thought, now what? Um, you know, so I have a background um, in business administration administration and whatnot. So I felt uh, fairly comfortable with strategic planning, but um, we were looking down the tunnel at a gigantic project. You know, a lot of folks who were nervous about, you know, strategic planning and how in the world would we get this all done? And by the way, it was right at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. So um, on top of our day-to-day -day work being an upheaval, you know, we were like, yeah, now what? What are we going to do? Um, so Ryan and I spent um, a month or two just familiarizing ourselves with the process and coming up with a game plan. And for the next nine months, uh, our colleagues and I, so also shout out to our colleagues, um, you know, they made this such a remarkable experience. Um, it was it was really serendipitous for us to work on this during the pandemic. Um, you know, it provided connection for us in a way that was really good at the time and continues, you know, to be good. Um, so just working through that process and figuring out, okay, what do we need to do? What is our to-do list? Now that we know what to do, how in the world do we do it? And so um, we just wanted to help folks who, you know, may be, you know, facing a situation where, you know, we don't have money to pay a consultant to help us with strategic planning. We want to be involved ourselves, but where in the world do we start? And so Ryan and I thought this book would be um, a really good opportunity to take our blood, sweat, and tears um, and present it in a way that would be helpful to our colleagues in the profession. Um, so Ryan, do you have anything else that you would add? Not much other than I will second the shout out to both Neil Romanowski and all of our colleagues because Katie had a little bit of a background in it. I did not. I was coming in totally green. You know, I was doing LinkedIn courses and we were reading books together and talking about what we were reading. Um, there's a lot of great literature out there, but nothing we felt that was really touching on some of the things that we learned and some of the things that we had to just figure out from scratch. So that's what we really kind of tried to encapsulate in this book. And really, if it wasn't for our colleagues, a, a lot of this would not have happened.
So yeah, even down to the nitty gritty of how do we structure emails, you know, to solicit participation, and how do we, um, you know, structure ourselves and um, our approaches. So we really tried to dig deep and provide all of those little logistical tips in addition to the foundational knowledge and approaches. And you definitely accomplished it with this book because it really is a great guide throughout through the strategic planning process from the beginning of what to consider as you're getting this project to at the uh, to begin, and then how do you get the groups together? How do you form that committee? What should their charge be? And then I, what I really enjoyed was how do you communicate that final plan? But you start out by talking about the different approaches to strategic planning. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about those different approaches and why you chose to focus in on and choose that staff-led approach. Yeah, so there are many ways you can come at this, both functionally and theoretically. So in the book, we um, talk about design thinking, appreciative inquiry, team leadership. So all of those are sort of philosophical foundations that you could anchor this type of work in. But, um, you know, going back to our, you know, sort of now what, um, what do we do now perspective on this thing, we thought it was really helpful to just sort of talk through in the book the different approaches that, you know, a library could take. And so, um, you know, the one way would be um, to hire a consultant. So I know a lot of libraries, um, they're fortunate to have the budget to hire a consultant and consultants are great, um, you know, they can lead you through a strategic planning process um, from a foundation of expertise. You know, they've probably done it a million times before. They've probably refined a really, um, you know, efficient approach. Um, they can be very objective and unbiased um, in their approach. But, you know, I don't know many libraries who actually have the budget to support um, hiring a consultant. Um, and, and two, there may not be as much um, opportunity for engagement with a consultant as well. Um, Another way I've seen libraries do this is the library leadership takes uh, a primary role. You know, they take the steering wheel and um, sort of guide the process along um, with or without, you know, staff engagement, um, you know, having the leaders in the leadership role in a strategic planning process is helpful because they're often in tune with, you know, the goals of, you know, a broader institution. So if you're at an academic library, you know, what's important to the university, that type of thing. But again, um, there may or may not be that opportunity for staff engagement. And so um, Ryan and I really love the staff led approach to strategic planning. Um, you know, it really leverages staff talents. It gives staff an opportunity to um, grow skills, to build experience in this type of thing. Uh, it's uh, financially, you know, a cheaper alternative. Um, but I think the opportunity for staff to be engaged in the process really helps um, 
really drive engagement in the success of the implementation. So it really gets folks excited. And of course, there's a whole spectrum of ways in between. So from a consultant on one end of the spectrum to staff led on the other end, you know, some libraries find it helpful to hire a consultant for specific parts of a process. Um, you know, if you're concerned about doing surveys, for example, or focus groups, you know, certainly a consultant could help with bits and pieces pieces um, like that. Um, so that's that's kind of the, a nutshell of different ways, and I'm sure there are many, many more ways uh, that the creative library folks could could tackle a strategic planning process. And I think you hit on all the main ones, and, and I think you hit on that important point of are funds available to bring in that consultant, or even if it's leadership-led, are you going to get the buy-in from the staff? during the process, and then also after the process when you have to implement that strategic plan. But I'm sure many librarians and library staff members are concerned about adding one or more committees or another project to their long list of responsibilities. So how do you get buy-in from the entire staff to participate in this process from the get-go? That is a very good question. <laughs> um, it definitely in libraries, it feels like we're having to do more with less continually. And it can be very exhausting to see yet another committee or another long-term lengthy project that's going to take a lot of work. Because let's face it, strategic planning, no matter how you look at it, it's going to be a lot of work if if you want to have a good end product. Uh, in our situation, um, at least for myself, I know, and I think for Katie as well, we were able to balance our workload a little bit. So administration was able to help us out help us kind of reassign some job duties and open up the time in the work week for us. But that's not going to be possible for everyone. Um, maybe it's not going to be possible for most libraries. You know, some libraries have a very small uh, a number of staff that are available to do these sorts of things. Um, if you're in such a situation, there's some options that you could consider. Uh, some things like uh, giving the charge of the coordinating committee um, to another committee. Maybe you have something like a library council or something like that that could take on the work um, of coordinating the strategic planning endeavor. You could bring in external stakeholders to help work because uh, something that I realized as we were going through our process is that there's nothing saying that staff-led means only library staff are involved in the process. Like we had some student workers that we enlisted because we wanted their opinion. We wanted their work involved. We wanted them there um, helping us, you know, take shape with the values and the mission and everything that was coming out of the work that we were synthesizing. Um, library volunteers can be very passionate. You could maybe you even have a friends of the libraries organization and they could literally be one of the committees that you have working on it for you. Um, beyond the issues of like time and workload management, uh, buy-in can also be built up uh, early in the process. So this is before you even start strategic planning. Um, in our book, we talk about some methods of doing pre-meeting activities before that first meeting when you tell everybody, hey, there's this thing, we're going to be doing this strategic planning endeavor and it's going to be staff-led. Um, if you solicit feedback from staff and you discuss all of those things, you're going to be showing them right from the start that, hey, you know, we're we're listening to you and you're going to drive this process. You know, we're already, we haven't even started yet and we're already addressing like concerns and things that you want to bring up. Um, it's also really important 
early on to make sure everybody understands what strategic planning is and what all the different components are. Um, that sounds a little off topic to this question, but really people are going to be more likely to buy in if they understand what's happening, you know, and that's key. And it can seem so complex when you have all these buzzwords coming at you, mission, vision, values, goals, initiatives, you know, what does all this mean? Um, there's all sorts of ways that you can explain it. I'm a big fan of using analogies just to kind of walk through it. You know, and like in our book, we do kind of a vacation analogy. There's there's other approaches, um, but that one seems common. I see that one used quite a bit. But so I, I guess it all comes down to awareness of what's actually happening, showing that you're listening and addressing all the comments that might come up beforehand and concerns. And um, do, you, do you have anything to add to that, Katie? No, I, what you were saying made me think about, you know, how staff felt empowered in the process. And so while the thought of having one more big project on the to-do list may have been daunting, um, I think at one point we even had a committee on committees in our organization, you know, to, yes. you know, to deal with this, you know, stress of so, so many committees, so many things to do. Um, but the fact that staff were empowered and actually being invited to to drive the vision of the libraries, I think helped energize folks. Um, and so um, I didn't uh, sense uh, a sense of fatigue from the group or from myself. It was actually an energizing um, exercise for me. And I love to hear that by getting the buy-in from everybody that they were more engaged in the process and they felt empowered because that's really what we want. So I heard you mention a committee on committee, a coordinating committee. You talked about a core committee, right? So how should a staff-led strategic plan be structured? So what kind of committee should, or working group uh, should be created and who should be invited? So you've talked about both internally to the library and externally, right, Ryan? So mm -hmm. really, how should we structure this, this committee that's going to lead the effort? Well, uh, structure obviously is very important. Um, we, we do detail a general structure that's very adaptable. Uh, in the book that it's and I, I will say first off that it can be a little hard to convey just in words we, we do have some diagrams that can help kind of illustrate how it all comes together but in essence the core idea is that you can break the work up into thematic chunks and then take a sort of divide and conquer approach to strategic planning um, and you, you do this by assigning a working group to each major focus of strategic planning so for instance you might have a working group that's dedicated to only environmental scanning and maybe one that is doing nothing but synthesizing the results into different iterative drafts of a completed plan as people revise and send in more feedback. Um, be, beyond the group's focusing on certain aspects, though, you're also going to want to have what I had mentioned earlier, a coordinating committee. And our approach to this is to have leaders of these smaller working groups that are hyper-focused on certain aspects of strategic planning, have those leaders serve on what you could look at as like an oversight committee. And the whole point of this oversight committee, it's not to control what the other groups are doing. It's to maintain awareness of what everybody's doing. So you're not duplicating efforts. Uh, just one example of many would be maybe uh, the environmental scanning group needs to do an internal survey of library staff, you know, to get a feel on the current state of the organization. 
Um, and the stakeholder research committee also needs to do this. This is something that actually happened in our practice, and they were able to join forces rather than burning people out on you know survey, survey, survey. It's like, here's one survey for multiple purposes. We'll just tweak it add some more questions to meet the needs of, you know, one committee where it's not being met by the other. And um, that uh, seemed to work out really well for us. And we realized after the fact, after we kind of diagrammed it out, we we're like, man, you could use this in all sorts of different ways, not just even strategic planning. It's a good way to tackle large projects or to go on for a long time. Um, so you, you also asked though about uh, who do you invite? So uh, my, my answer to this, and I'll let Katie jump into here in a little bit if she has anything to add, but my answer would be invite everybody. Uh, hmm. That was that was our our take. Uh, when it comes to staff, invite everybody. We sent out a questionnaire form, and it basically was asking things like, "Are you interested in volunteering?" Or maybe you're not interested in volunteering and you just have some questions about the process. Um, if you are interested in volunteering, uh, what types of things do you have experience with? What are some skills that you think you could contribute to the strategic planning process? Um, even include like a link for anonymous questions and things like that, stuff that maybe you could address at a future meeting, you know, when you're updating staff on progress. So you you do this and maybe not everybody that responds gets placed onto one of these subworking groups or the coordinating committee, but you have this list of skills and of willing volunteers that you can go in and look at as you're progressing with strategic planning, which is something that we saw that was ingenious. And I learned this from one of our uh, subworking groups. They started getting what they were calling consultants from amongst colleagues, people that were really good with coding qualitative data, you know, from transcripts, um, people that knew how to get the data out of ref analytics or whatever really quickly. And they were pulling people in that they weren't exactly part of their working group, but they were doing work for the working group. And then the working group could go, you know, spend that time on other things. And uh, it's, it's just really, really fascinating when you build up that energy and then you're like, okay, what, what do you think you might be able to contribute? And then you just have all these unknown skills surface that you can tap into. And I'm I'm really uh, glad that you highlighted that because it's such a great point about how to structure these groups, these working groups, but also tap into the talent that's available to you. And I'm glad that you brought up research and data. That was a really great section of the book. And you discussed the importance of an environmental scan, both internally and externally. So how should a library go through the uh, strategic planning process, you know, approach this task? Yeah, environmental scanning is um, obviously very important, um, and it it does. You're right; it's internal and it's external, and it's really a lot to be looking at when you think about it. Uh, you know, you're looking at basically current states and potential future states, uh, and then you're looking at both your library and the general landscape of libraries, and maybe even more if you're a public library. Maybe you're looking at your community as well. So there's just a lot of data that you're having to take in. Uh, just like really quickly, externally, I would say um, the top of my mind, which is sort of a low hanging fruit because there's so much literature out there, would be reviewing literature to find trends and issues that libraries of your library type are facing today. Uh, not that that's not going to be work, but libraries like to share information. So we have a lot of resources out there for us to look at 
um, things like uh, reports from ALA organizations or library journals. Uh, we, we include like a short list in our book that's kind of categorized by library type. And it just has some recommendations of where people might be able to start, but there's far more than what we were able to include in there. Uh, and then you also, like I mentioned earlier, you want to look at your community, what's going on in your institution. So with your institution, there's something that I think we called a institutional media review in our book. And by that we were meaning, you know, what are other units strategic plans? What's the institution's outlook look like? And think about how that might impact the library. Um, and then you have internally, um, this is where you would do things like, uh, Sometimes people do SWOT analysis analyses. Uh, we like the SOAR analysis better, which is, uh, for those that don't know, it's strengths, opportunities, aspirations, and results is what it stands for. Um, so that's kind of doing a snapshot of library staff's opinions of the organization and pulling those things out. Uh, you can look at data from maybe if you're in a public library and you have a reference week, you can look at that data, look at program statistics, um, accreditations re reports, uh, chat transcripts. There's so much data out there for us to look at, but you can take all of that and start making a report and then look at it for themes where you can start telling a story about your organization and you know what kind of services your organization is providing. And if you have the time and you're able to even do a little bit of a time comparison, you can see some fluctuation, you know, maybe five years ago compared to today. That can be very helpful too, because then that can be a little bit of like a, a prediction on what a future state might look like. And I, I really liked that you were talking about not only benchmarking against our peer and aspirin institutions, and that's something that we typically focus on, but then we lose focus on our actual users and how should we approach understanding the needs of our, our users that are our primary stakeholders? Yeah, I think the big key is you got to talk to them. Um, you got to talk to them during strategic planning. You got to talk to them uh, in the coming years. You got to keep talking to them and never stop talking to them. <laughs> so um, one approach we used um, was a, a stakeholder research approach that was kind of multifaceted. And so um, in our particular case, it was made a little bit more interesting in that um, we were all in lockdown at the time. So we were existing in completely virtual environments. So connecting with stakeholders was um, particularly challenging during that time, but also um, ended up being really great. You know, being able to um, focus in a lot and connect virtually was something that a lot of folks were able to do. Um, so we took a couple of approaches. The first thing we did was we coordinated amongst each other to do a survey among our stakeholders, and we got a lot of good um, feedback. And I really love starting with a survey because you can use that as a tool, like a recruitment tool for things like focus groups or you know individual interviews. So how can you identify folks? Well, your survey is a great chance to you know, build a pool of folks who are willing uh, to do a focus group, for example. So prompting for voluntary you know, information for you know, to reach out to contact your stakeholders is really a really great tip to include in a survey. Um, 
So we did the surveys. Um, those generated, of course, some written material. Uh, we did focus groups. So we didn't take um, recordings of the focus groups. So we didn't have transcripts per se, but we had a couple of note takers um, in the room, in the virtual room. Um, and so we had some really robust notes. And so uh, those types of things were active approaches, but um, we also like to remind folks that there are sort of passive ways that you can also take the pulse of stakeholders. So um, many libraries offer like chat reference assistance, for example. And so often that generates transcripts. And so um, you get a lot of content, a lot of you know, written content that um, you can use to do some coding. And so a lot of folks were scared when I said, okay, so we're going to do some quote, some coding. Um, you know, this is really qualitative research. Um, but when they realized it really in a nutshell is just, you know, we're going to count how many times some themes, you know, pop up, then it was much less daunting. And it was really a great opportunity for folks, you know, to learn and practice that skill. Um, so that's how we approached that understanding was really going through analyzing what ended up being written data. Um, and we had a lot of discussions to sort of process. So you were on your own understanding um, what was going on, but you had that opportunity to talk with the group. And we mentioned earlier, you know, how do you approach a committee structure? And, and you know, Ryan mentioned, you know, folks were getting little consultants from our own staff for different parts of this process. Um, but this is just a really great opportunity to um, branch out and um, practice different skills and you know, gain perspectives. And so it sounds like throughout this process, you gathered a lot of quantitative and qualitative data. Now, yep. when you bring all that data together, how do you approach writing the strategic plan? Is this the, the work of the core committee? Who do you engage in this process? Yeah, that's a great segue because, um, you know, even if you weren't a consultant or if you weren't even on a group, um, there were a lot of opportunities for all staff to provide feedback. Um, so along with the subcommittee groups analyzing the data, processing it themselves, they held a lot of sessions where we just invited all staff to talk and process. Um, so that really sort of tipped the data from being, you know, this is data, we're doing qualitative coding, it's very scary, to, you know, no, really, we can sort of just talk about this and discuss it and um, process it and let that, those ideas surface. So once we got kind of a shared understanding of what our big themes were, then it was time to write. And so this is another uh, perspective where I really thought through this collaborative writing can be tough. Um, it can be very tough to collaborate with a group of folks and actually uh, write something. And so there are a lot of ways you can do that. So you really have to have an honest discussion with your colleagues about what's going to work best for you. Um, you know, some may be comfortable uh, tasking one person 
person to write a complete draft um, of a strategic plan. Others may sort of divide and conquer, focusing on different themes. Our colleagues decided to write the thing together live um, from start to finish. Wow. Um, so yeah, so that took, I think at points, they sort of assigned out bits and pieces to like, you know, workshop on their own and then come back and report to the group. But um, our colleagues just really um, hit their stride with meeting weekly, you know, for an hour or two. And they just wrote it together and provided commentary and feedback in the moment. And so that's how we approached it. Um, it was a very communal, collaborative type of approach, but um, it's really what works best for you and your styles with your colleagues. Um, and once we wrote all of the the draft. So we drafted a mission statement, a value statement. Um, we drafted some overarching initiatives that would guide our work. Um, once we had that, we had those bigger conversations with our colleagues, our greater colleagues, to understand. In qualitative research, we call it member checking. Um, but we reached back out to stakeholders. So the folks that were in our focus groups, um, you know, are all staff in the library, you just presented the drafts and, and just asked them, is this resonating with you? Is this how you were seeing the themes that were arising? Um, do you have any um, suggestions? Of course, we're library folks. There were tons of suggestions about wording and you know how to phrase things, um, but overall it was a very positive, um, very positive experience, particularly in that point in time uh, with the pandemic. I'm glad to hear that worked well. I'm sure a lot of people are right now panicking at the <laughs> amount of wordsmithing and other things yes. that could go on with that collaborative writing process. Yes. There yes. was a the lot of wordsmithing. Yeah. <laughs> folks enjoy it though. So it takes it takes all kinds. It takes mm -hmm. a village. Well, you know, one of the things that's clear from your book in this conversation is that communication was key throughout the process. Now, with a lot of strategic plans, once it's finished, it kind of just sits there. So you offered some great advice on how to communicate that new strategic plan, both internally and externally. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, I could start with this one. Um, I, first, I, I really like the idea of making an event of it. Uh, so unveiling the final plan and making like, you know, inviting people and unveiling it kind of all at once, you know, I just, it just seems like a really great way to show gratitude for all the work that went into it. Um, you, you can amplify that gratitude though, um, when you're communicating the final plan by including some initiatives too. So what you're doing is you're, you're, you're like, okay. Here's the here's a strategic plan that we all came up with. Thank you so much for your work. Now, since you've done this, these are the things that we are going to work toward, you know, with this information that we got in the strategic plan. Um, and those things can just really make it sink in a little deeper. It turns it into more than just a document. You know, it becomes kind of this guiding thing that's actually going to make things happen, which is really important, especially with strategic planning. Um, more more practical though, I would consider some branding of some sort. Uh, that, that doesn't mean that you need to have a professional graphic designer design like a new logo for your library or anything like that. But if if you come up with a sort of look and feel for the strategic plan, you can use that look and feel 
to keep it in mind when people see it. it. It could be as simple as some colors or as a tagline of some sort. Um, but if you keep that going, um, every time somebody sees it, they're, you know, it's going to kind of pull the concept of the strategic plan to the forefront and they're going to remember it and it's going to keep it from just collecting dust on the shelf. Like we often like to say, Katie and I have had many discussions about how to avoid that, um, since writing the book and the question continues to come up. Yeah. So, and even I would say, um, don't just think like, okay, it's finished. We're going to communicate it out and let everybody know like, whoo, glad that's, you know, that's over. Um, but really, as I said before, communicating out is really about our stakeholders, um, no matter who that is. Um, and so what I also like to think about is how can we continue the conversation? So we, in a sense, are making a pledge or a promise to our stakeholders in establishing a strategic plan. And I think it's really helpful to follow up, you know, to let everyone know like, hey, we're staying accountable to this. This is what we've been doing. Here's our progress. So scheduling in some updates, you know, so our strategic plan was to guide our work for three years. Um, some organizations do five years, um, but it's important, I think, to keep communicating throughout the life of your plan. Um, and it's really handy to do that via assessment. So if you you know, establish a to-do list of initiatives. Like we're going to um, review our collection to ensure marginalized voices are represented. And so you you create a, a specific project and you create some actionable outcomes um, that you can follow back up and say, hey, we did this and we added this many titles to the collection because we did this. And so this this is the progress and the the, you know, move forward that we have made. Um, we are keeping our pledge and our promise to you all to do this work. Um, so I think um, part of the not letting the plan gather dust on the shelf is having that to-do list and continuing to talk about it and giving updates and having that follow up. So again, that theme of communication and constant communication keeps coming up. And one of the real values in this work that I really enjoyed was the sample documents, committee charges, survey templates, email samples that you provided. Those are really helpful for anybody thinking about going through the strategic planning process. So what informed the creation of this content? And was this the actual content that you used with your own strategic planning? Or is this revised based on what you learned from your experience? Uh, heavily revised, you know, um, <laughs> it very much influenced by what we did. But uh, as I was thinking about this, when we were working on the book, it really, um, it has, uh, see, what am I trying to say here? Um, when you're actually writing the book, okay, uh, you have a lot of time to think about it. When you're, when you're, when you're doing the, when you're actually in the moment and you're doing the work, sometimes you have a billion other things you're doing and you just, you know, it is what it is. You do the best that you can do. Um, that's one of the reasons that we focus so heavily on these templates and examples in the book is because things like that really helped me out a lot and we didn't have them available to us. So we definitely wanted to include a lot of those throughout the book, not to tell people exactly what to say, but just to give them a framework, you know, like 
you know, this is about how long maybe you'd want it to be, or this is about, you know, what you'd like to try to keep the subject line of your email down to. We try to include all sorts of nice little techniques to help with that. But um, the some of the things in the book are very close though, like the timeline and the organization structure. There, there are some aspects like that that are a really close one-to-one based on what we did. But I would say even those things did get tweaked a little bit so that they're more broadly applicable to all different types of libraries. Yeah, I really like the flexibility of what we ended up putting in the book. So any visual you see in the book, that's Ryan Spellman, save from uh, the example plans at the end. Ryan created all of those illustrations and figures. And so um, I really love them because it's almost like a fill in the blank, you know, and it takes the stress off of folks having to think about the structures and um, you can really make it fit your particular needs with the sort of broader, you know, sort of worksheet type of approach and Ryan just did a great job on all those visuals. They, they really are helpful and it ensures that good communication is happening throughout the process. You have all those templates and samples there that you can go to. So it was one of those things that I saw as a real value to this work. Now you mentioned the the six uh, strategic plan examples that you've included in this book as well. So how did you decide on which strategic plans to include? Because I'm sure there's a lot out there. And what kind of criteria or evaluation process did you go through to like settle in on those six. Yeah, so just like with our strategic planning work, when it was all over and Ryan and I were thinking about this book and we were found ourselves back in the now what territory, like, so you've agreed to write a book, now what? Um, so one thing that I've liked to do in past projects is we went back to the old survey method. And so uh, we sent a survey out uh, through various avenues, um, largely the various professional organizations, both regionally and nationally. Um, and, and luckily that re reached a global audience. So um, we just sent out a survey to folks on various listservs, email lists, uh, message boards, and invited them to tell us about their strategic planning experiences. Was it staff led? Did you use another approach? What were your challenges? What are the things you're most proud of? Um, and so we got a lot of great responses um, from that. Um, and then it was just an old fashioned uh, internet search from there. So we just browsed the web to find um, different example plans. Uh, and I wouldn't say we used a criteria or any type of structured method. It was really serendipitous. Um, so we had a lot of uh, folks. So we had a, a colleague from Busatema um, University and they had a really great um, approach to assessment and setting a timeline and tracking. And so, you know, that that really illustrated some points we were making in the book. And so we really were looking for exemplar um, plans out there. And so uh, right here in our uh, hometown of Athens, Ohio, uh, the public library here had a really great uh, plan that 
you know, it wasn't visually um, splashy. It was very text-based, but that can be such a great approach for accessibility, um, you know, concerns online and that type of thing. And they were really transparent about their process. Um, there was Calgary uh, Public Library who had such a great package, like graphically designed uh, package. And so that really spoke to a lot of our uh, communication points in the book. Um, and again, there was Forbes Public Library and University of Texas Rio Grande Valley who just um, had different elements that were very exemplar um, to the various points we were trying to make. And of course, we threw our own in there uh, because we love that and we want the world to see it. Well, as you mentioned earlier, you went through this entire process remotely during the pandemic. Now, what would you change in the process if you were on campus working on the strategic plan? Yeah, this is a really good question. And Ryan and I talked about this a bit in advance of talking today. And it was funny because my immediate response was, no, I wouldn't change anything. <laughs> um, and then Ryan had some really good perspectives that prompted me um, to think about it. Um, it was really a unique space and time. So Ryan, do you want to share your thoughts on this? Because I thought you had a really great perspective. Yeah, it was. Um, so there's a couple of things, really. When the pandemic forced our hand into using virtual technology for meetings, for work, for everything, um, I think there's no denying that that didn't change and really give us a boost when it come when it came to the strategic planning process. Uh, there, there was some resistance to using uh, with our institution. We were Microsoft Teams, and there were people that weren't really on board for that yet. But when the pandemic hit, I mean, you had no choice. You had to learn how to use it. <laughs> you were, you know, you were there. Um, if you were doing work, you had to use it. So uh, that really um, got it set up the landscape for us so that our regional colleagues could participate more fully. And it was interesting because before the pandemic, um, I don't know if it was even quite a full year before we we began an initiative that was really trying to pull our, our regional campus library colleagues in so that we were working more together, so that we had a more consistent service. And um, we were trying to get to know them better. And the pandemic hit and... Um, they were using teams for work and they were joining us. And really, I, I don't think it would have been the same had they not been on our working groups at the level that they were. No, that's a great perspective. Yeah. I really yeah. like that. So Katie yeah, and Ryan, I, 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 I've taken up a lot of your time today. And as we wrap up our time together, I was wondering if you could tell me, what are you working on now? Are you continue to explore strategic planning for libraries or are you heading in a new direction with research and projects? Uh, one thing that I'm working on that I need to get back to, so this has been a good kick in my pants to get back to this project, but um, I'm looking at student employees in the library and how working in the library has impacted their college experience. Um, so has it helped them overcome challenges? You know, has it, um, have they picked up skills by working in the library that helped them be successful in the classroom? And so I'm hoping to get back to some coding um, and figuring out some transcripts and some themes there. So hopefully um, now that I'm accountable to you all and the listeners, I will get to work on that. 
as far as it goes for me, I, I don't know that I have anything in the works to be published, but we've started a pretty extensive space use study of the building. And so we're looking forward to seeing what kind of information we can get on how people are using library spaces and what changes we might be able to make. Um, it'll hopefully involve having uh, SUMA available to us, which is like a space use program. Um, and uh, yeah, so we've been doing that, getting ready to have some colleagues do the data input. We've gathered the data and they're going to input it next week. And then we get to the fun part, which is actually seeing what story the data tells. Well, those both sound like really excellent projects. And Ryan, I think you probably have an article when you're done with, with, with that one as well. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I, I really want to thank you for your time today and talking about uh, your work, creating a staff-led strategic plan. This was a really great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. It was really good to talk. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. This was wonderful. Thank you. Excellent. Well, I'm your host, Michael Lamagna, and I want to thank you for listening to the New Books and Library Science podcast channel on the New Books Network.